Nehemiah. Nehemiah was this inspiring leader who offered a bold and stirring invitation. We looked at it in our our group times together last week where Nehemiah said, Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah knew that he could never, ever complete this massive project on his own. But he confidently recruited an army of builders, a team of servants. My goal is not to have it open there. Um, There's a few verses I want us to just skim through very quickly, and they'll be up on the screen as well. Nehemiah 3, when you scan the content of this chapter you are going to observe a very long list of names. And it's a long list of people who responded to the call. Verse 8 tells us about interesting trades, goldsmiths and perfume makers. Can you imagine? They're called to rebuild the wall. So here they are. Can you imagine? Oh, at their part of the wall, it's like this fragrant smell coming out. Or, or maybe it was sprinkled with with like gold glitter on the walls. I'm not sure what it was like. Verse 12 talks about daughters that partnered together to build one other section of the wall. Verse 28 then tells us the priests had to do their part. They started building up the walls in another section. And then verse 32 says, well, the city merchants weren't left out either. They got in on the action. All were called to serve whatever their day jobs whatever they're gifting. And as we think of this, unleashing the power of service, I want you to know this. There is a place for you, a place for you to step up and serve. You are invited to do your part. IT workers, executives, teachers, professional athletes, factory workers, retirees, standing together all at the wall, each one doing our part. I am convinced Our church cannot exist without each person's faithful service. Nehemiah inspired servanthood. My prayer is that you and I today might be inspired in servanthood again today. And I want to read one more text of Scripture that grounds us in thinking about service. Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 to 28. In your small groups, you will also be examining Uh, Nehemiah, then Matthew, and then the book of Jeremiah. But let's focus now on Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now I want you to imagine that Jesus gave this teaching right after two of the disciples felt that they should have better status than the others. And then, when the other ten found out what the two were doing, going to Jesus and saying, we want high status, then they get into a fight with all of them. And here is Jesus' 12 disciples, the first church, this group of people, and they get into a conflict, 
and a struggle over leadership and who's going to have a higher role. But what did Jesus do? Jesus gently taught them. And Jesus, by the way, Jesus is here in this passage, he's not attacking secular leadership. He's saying in corporations, in other businesses, maybe in government, you're going to see people lording authority over other people. But then he says this to us, not so with you. He's saying that our leadership is to be different with us here in our community. So what should an ambitious person do? We have ambitious do an amazing job. What should somebody do who wants to advance and get ahead? Jesus gives a three-word answer, and it's for us. Be a servant. This is Jesus' prescription for the longing to be great. It's a new kind of greatness. The Greek word is diakonos. Now, um, that word simply means, first of all, it would have been understood in that day, in that age, as all it means is a table waiter. Um, That word diakonos, you can guess what else. Uh, Another word that we get for that is the English word deacon. That's right. So it's deacon, servant, or minister. Three times it's found like that, or or in different places it's used in that way. Plato once asked, how can anybody be happy when he is the slave of anybody else at all? And then Jesus turns that question upside down. I wonder if he knew Plato's question. Jesus just turns it completely upside down. In effect, Jesus is saying, how can anyone be happy unless one is the slave of everyone else? Jesus emphasizes greatness is service. In fact, Jesus' whole life, it's not that he is just teaching us and saying, this is how you should behave. Jesus' whole life was waiting on others. It was his theme. It was not something that he pretends to do, but he lives it out. It just flows out of his character. In the Gospel of John, he washes his disciples' feet, shocking them with this act. Because in no other place in ancient literature does someone of superior status wash the feet of someone of lower status. And here in the Gospel of Matthew, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in a few minutes, we're going to gather around this table here at the front. And as we gather around this table, we'll remember that King Jesus is a servant who paid for all of our sins, completely freed us from the power of the devil. That is a divine mystery, but that's what we trust in, is Christ's service for us. The only way to healing is to let yourself be served by Christ and to let yourself be healed by him. Some of us may think, well, I just want to fix it on my own. I just want to create good vibes by doing everything on my own work. But have you received Christ and his service for you? It's got to start by that. Jesus served, and as we follow him, we know that greatness is in service. 
So first of all, we must be served by him. And then secondly, we need to model his path and serve like him. I want to give you four sentences that will help you to think about your service. So um, four sentences, just as we try to apply, as we think about Nehemiah and the servanthood there on the wall and, and Jesus and his call. So here it is. Number one, don't serve for the wrong reasons. I want to give you some cautions about service, first of all. We don't serve in order to get God's love. There's a temptation to think that service will somehow help me to uh, earn God's approval, to think that I can earn my way into God's good books by just serving. If I do this, then he'll give me that. On the other hand, we serve because he first served us. Also, we do not serve to make ourselves feel better. That's not the goal. Often it, it is the result, but that's not the goal. If we serve only for this reason, then we'll start becoming bitter. Because sometimes we'll serve people and we'll be called to serve people where we do not feel better. In fact, some of us are going to be called to serve in situations where people are not going to respond in kind. Um, Also, we do not serve to impress others or to get noticed or to get compliments in the kingdom of God. We've already received all the rewards because people have noticed and given us the compliments already. Remember that Jesus, remember this, Jesus is not seeking out brilliant or impressive personalities, but faithful servants of God and of each other. Now, I know what you're thinking, or at least I think I know what you're thinking. If I live life as a servant, if I really try to live life Jesus' way, people are going to walk all over me. They're going to take advantage of me. Uh, I'll be, feel forced to do things that I, I don't really want to do. Um, you've heard that phrase, I don't want to be a doormat. A doormat is someone who feels used, who has the attitude of thinking, oh, I have to do this for this person because uh, if I don't do this for this person, then they're not going to really like me. Uh, or... Um, Or I better do this for this person because I'm frankly scared of how they're going to react if I don't do this for that person. This is not how Jesus lived. Jesus never lived as a doormat, feeling fearful, wondering about But a servant says, I am doing this action of service because I choose to be a servant. Serve for the right reasons. Will you choose to be a servant Remember this, that um, as we serve others, um, it doesn't negate looking after ourselves. Um, the Good Samaritan, an incredible illustration of service, he, he poured his heart out to that person on the road. But you know, too, when you read that story, that, that he looked after the wounded man, and then he went on his way to look after his own business as well. Um, So there's the first sentence. Don't serve for the wrong reasons. The second one is this. Through our service, the world discovers the love of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, that just through those simple acts, we've heard that through 
Tim and Pat telling the stories of just the simple acts of service. That is how the world's going to discover the love of God. It's in one of our goals of our strategic plan. I know you've read it through, but I want to remind you, it's one of the goals of our strategic plan to see each person, that means you involved in service. Now, how that service works out, we need to be creative to figure that out. But, but it's for you to be involved in service because we want you to be long-term lovers of God and of others. Our goal is lifelong servanthood. And not only this, we long for you to serve with joy and contentment. Wow, what a high calling that is to serve, but to do it also with, with joy and contentment. The Bible has this wonderful reminder, not just to serve, and this phrase is in the Psalms, and then there's another little phrase that, that Peter writes in his letter, is when we serve, we should be eager to serve. Now think of those descriptions. Um, serve the Lord with gladness and be eager to serve. If we do not live our eyes, if we do not live our lives with an eye to being a servant, to see who's the greatest. So service is lived out in the ministry of the mundane. Cleaning the toilets. You have a roommate, a spouse, family in the house. Hey, let me do that this week. Um, cleaning the toilets, taking out the garbage, cooking the next meal. Not one of us is too good to perform the lowliest of tasks. There's ministry also then within these walls. The nursery, promised land, the gateway team, the tech team. There's ministry outside the walls of our church, the open door, the Scott Mission, a short-term missions trip. How about listening to a friend, caring for the lonely, sharing a message of hope in Christ? Our service may be small, but this service is the way that the world discovers the love of God. Third sentence is this, and I, and I think this is an important one too, is we serve and we know our limits. Jesus calls you to pour out your lives for other people. Pour it out as a sacrifice. Pour out your lives. But Jesus is also telling you, come and get some rest. If you are not sure about your rhythm of serving and of rest, maybe you could ask a friend to assess you. You could ask your friend, and maybe this other question, am I serving well? But am I also finding places to rest? Some of us here carry guilt because we feel like we're never doing enough. Oh, I just have to work harder. I have to do something more. And, and you think that Jesus is never happy with you until you do a little bit more. And you're on a treadmill where you feel like it's never going to be enough and and Jesus is never happy with you because you've never achieved the place that he wants you to get to. Do you realize that you have limitations? And you can't take advantage of every single opportunity to serve. Your talents and your gifts are limited. Your 
time is limited. You could even look at the neighbor beside you and just say, wow, your physical body is really limited. <laughs> you know, you have limitations. And, and, and you know what else? You're running out of time. Your body is getting older. Um, you are limited. And we have to understand that as we walk around and as we are called into this service, we also have limitations. Knowing your limits can sharpen your focus. This past week, I know it was in our our small group, um, maybe it was in your small group where you talked about, what is your burden? Did you ask that question with others in your group? What is your burden? What are you burdened about in life? In our group, some people answered it um, by uh, saying this. You know, first of all, Nehemiah, he had a burden. That's what motivated him to be in service and to get others in service so heavily upon him as he saw the discouraged people of Jerusalem. Some of you were burdened about others hearing about Jesus' love. Others of you had a heart and just a deep burden for, for the lonely, the marginalized, or the poor. Um... One person in one of our groups just said, I I have a burden for children who don't have an opportunity to get proper education. And I want to just give some of my time to invest into that and to help young girls overseas. Some of you have a burden here for developing great systems in our church so that we run in an organized way. God bless you. Um, Others of you have a burden for creating meaningful worship in our church. Uh, Others of you have a burden for a smooth tech experience. Um, And the list goes on and on. What is your burden? Because it is your burden that will help to define where your area of service will be. If you don't know what your burden is, You need to take some time to reflect on that, to think about that. Because when you think about your burdens, it gives focus and joy to your service. Well, the fourth sentence is this. We serve, and then we find our true selves. This discipline of serving is actually something that transforms us. It helps us to see the value of others and the value of ourselves. And as we invite you to give yourselves in loving service, you have the opportunity to become your true self. Paul Brand was a missionary. Do you know the name? A missionary doctor in India in the 1950s and the 1960s. He wrote a good number of books, some of them with Philip Yancey, and in his one book called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, he tells this story of a Frenchman named Abbe Pierre who showed up at his leprosy hospital in Valor, India. What was Pierre doing there? As a Christian worker, Pierre had been assigned to work among the beggars in Paris after World War II, and at that time, the beggars in the city had nowhere to go, and in winter, many of them would simply freeze to death in the streets. Pierre looked for different ways to help them, 
couldn't quite tap into how to assist them. But he finally inspired each beggar by giving them responsibility to help another beggar poorer than themselves. Then the project really began to succeed. An organization called Emmaus uh, was founded to perpetuate Pierre's work with branches in other countries. Now, Pierre um, told Paul Brand in Valor, India, that after years of work in Paris, there were no beggars left at that time. And because of this, Pierre believed that his organization faced a crisis. He declared, I must find someone for my beggars to help. On one of those trips, he arrived in Valor, and he said, if I don't find someone worse than my beggars, this movement could turn inward. They'll become a power pact, will be lost. They'll have no one to serve. So Abbe Pierre returned to his beggars in France, and they worked and they worked in order to raise funds to donate for a ward at the hospital in Valor. I love this story because it reminds us that we are called to serve not out of our own strength, but out of our own weakness. We do not help others. We serve simply because we want to love like Jesus. And if we do not serve, we lose out on God's picture of greatness. I love the discussions where people come to me and say, I want to serve and I'm not quite sure how. And if that's you, I know that I or our other pastors would love to have a conversation with you to say, how can we reflect on your life and who you are and to connect you with places of service in our church? If we do not serve, we lose out on God's picture of greatness. And I believe that our church is most vibrant and active when we pray, Lord, please use me and lead me to someone that I can serve today. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, these pillars are what we want to anchor deeply in our lives. And we really do want to think about this pillar of Jesus. Not to earn that goodness with you, but simply to find the joy of of following you and, and living like you. So, Lord, we pray that you would uh, guide us today as we reflect on your word and then as we are called and then sent, sent out to serve once again today. We give you thanks for your grace. We give you thanks, O Lord, for your mercy. May we worship you. And, Lord, will you prepare our hearts once again as we remember how you have served us at this communion table. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.